0: feel like everything's going programmatic? Well, that's because it is. Even audio. Now with Zaxxis, you can deliver the programmatic promise of reaching one audience across all media by including digital audio in your media mix, tap into premium digital audio inventory sources, including Spotify, Pandora, and iHeart. Plus, use dynamic creative audio to programmatically serve audio creative based on customized data triggers. That means customizing your audio ads based on time of day, weather conditions, location, and more. Visit zaxis.com to learn more. That's xaxis.com. Thank you, Zaxis. Hi, I'm Brian Marcy and this is the DigiDay Podcast. Before we begin, I have a special announcement. Beginning in January, we are going to be running a special series of five podcasts that will be taking you into the trenches of everyday product strategy and execution. This is something we've been wanting to do for a little while and we are finally doing it. We will talk email strategy with Quartz's Zach Seward, We'll talk about how to build an events business with The Atlantic's Margaret Lowe. We'll talk about how to do subscriptions with The Wall Street Journal's Carl Wells. And we'll also do one on podcasts with The Washington Post's Jessica Stahl. And another one on product development with Post Lights' Paul Ford. These are all really interesting conversations in which we go deep into the execution of these strategies. Stay tuned. This is our last episode of the year. Instead of one guest, we are bringing you highlights from our best podcasts throughout the year on topics like publishers' relationship with Facebook and the pivot to paid. First up, we have Kara Swisher, co-founder of Recode, who I spoke to earlier this year about what publishers got wrong about Facebook. Is Facebook breaking up with the media right now?
1: You know, it's interesting. I don't think they ever were going out with the media. I think the media. The media thought they were squeal. I know. On them. But you know what? I, I'm really old, and I remember AOL did the same thing. And <laughs> AOL was cur- courting the media and then wasn't, you know, because their business changed. And in Facebook's case, you know, they wanted to, they needed the media to make that newsfeed more interesting. Um, and and beyond what it did, and then uh, when it turns out the media is kind of messy as it's turned out for them, uh, you know they and they can't figure out a monetization strategy, which I think they haven't yet. Um, it's a problem. I think that they have to think hard about how their product is used. It's the same thing if it's Russia, or um, or anticipate how it's used, whether it's Facebook Live where people murder someone on it, whether it's the algorithm being gained or content being misused or fake news going up or advertising that is targeted to anti-Semitic groups, they've got to control their platform. I mean, really, that's what they do. And if you, if a broadcast network lost control of its platform like this, you know government would come down on it like a ton of bricks. Like suddenly an ad went up without checking that was incorrect and inaccurate. or You know, just they have to get control of their platform.
0: But there are two sides to every story. And here is Richard Gingras, the VP of News at Google, on why Google is a friend to the news business.
2: We have to be careful with playing, in a sense, the blame game. And even the duopoly notion so is, is meme. So what is the meme?
0: What are the, the, the duopoly meme? Explain to me why. Because so, it is used uh, as shorthand as, it's not our fault. Google and Facebook did this to us. They yeah. ruined our businesses.
2: So again, as I said, if you go through the business model, right, we saw a whole lot of it go from classified advertising into internet marketplaces. Frankly, that's really not part of our business at all. Do we have an effective advertising business, both through Google search ads? If you're looking for a refrigerator, you will come to Google first (laughs) to look for a refrigerator, and maybe you'll click on an ad, right? Yeah, that's a good business to be in. But there are other huge portions of it where that ad revenue is on other sites. And yes, we do have ad technologies for that. They use our tools. I said 2 million publishers. But what gets not calculated when people state the duopoly or state Google's presumed percentage, is they don't include the fact that, for instance, last year, we sent $12.7 billion to those publishers using our ad platforms at revenue shares of 70% and beyond to the publisher.
0: You send big checks to publishers, although you still... Google is still, you know,
2: we take a big piece.
0: You take a big piece. You're a successful business. No question. Um, no, and there's no apologizing for that.
2: And and again, I'm, you know, I, all my background is in news. Um, I'm optimistic about the future of news. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm extremely optimistic at, at, at those who are, are you
0: more optimistic now than you were say like four years ago?
2: I am actually simply for the fact that now people, I think, have gotten over the hump of recognizing that the internet is a different marketplace of information and ideas and services, right? And they're now we're seeing legacy publishers now finally beginning to grapple with that and look at subscriptions and look at their value propositions. Some will make it, some will not. But we're also now seeing more pure plays come into play, you know, who have a better understanding of the market to begin with. And that's one of my objectives. My probably my leading. Uh, objective with GNI, and we have these internal objectives we set up against it. It's the Google News Initiative. It's the Google News Initiative. Yeah, sorry to go to the um, <laughs> the initials. Is is how do we at the local level identify and nurture success at the local level, such that there are models for other entrepreneurs to follow, whether they be for profit or non profit entrepreneurs. I'm 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 you know through the dust of disruption, as it were, I'm seeing a lot of seedlings of success there. The legacy newspapers that became chains, for instance. They didn't become chains because they were looking to figure out how to provide better news properties. They became chains because it was an incredibly good advertising business. Mm -hmm. And they found through greater efficiencies they could improve margins. But they're now in a position of having to recognize that the business simply is not going to be as big as what it once was. We'll be right back after this quick break.
0: As you're listening to this podcast, are you wondering if the audio ads really work? I hope they're working. Well, it turns out they do. Um, Zaxxas uses programmatic audio in tandem with other digital channels to drive awareness for brands. Recently, a pharma client ran a display, video, and audio campaign with Zaxxas to drive awareness and site visits. Users exposed to the audio ads and the display or video ads were 6 to 15 times more likely to visit the Pharma brand's website. That's impressive. Visit zaxis.com now to learn more. That's X-A-X-I-S dot Now back to the episode. With the bloom off the platforms rose, more publishers are turning to direct connections with their users. The Skims, Carly Zakin and Danielle Weisberg, stop by to discuss their strategy.
3: We all... Are on our email. Like, I will tell you, like, you know, all of our friends, our audience. I Young
0: would, people still use email.
3: Yes. I would say, like, first thing that we all do is, like, alarm is on our phone. You turn off your alarm, you grab your phone, you immediately check email, like, scan it, anything important. So we knew we had to be a part of what we call, like, the one eye open routine. And so for us, you know, it's something that we are a company about, you know, as Danielle said, making it easier to be smarter, but through routines. And the first routine we wanted to tackle was that first moment in the morning when you check your email.
0: Right. So now you have, what, six and a half million?
3: Well over, yes.
0: Okay, well over. Well uh, over. (laughs) Six and a half million email subscribers, and you're building off that base.
3: Yeah, so we have built off the base. And the idea was that when we started, the ultimate commodity that we could ever hope to create was trust with our audience. So when we started the company, we really had two guiding principles. The first was build a brand make the skim stand for something uh we did that in a lot of different ways one way that you know we definitely um continue to think through is who is the skim girl what is the brand around her and then from a product perspective we had a guiding light of thinking how technology can be used to fit information into the routines of our audience. So the way that we think about what we've created from a product perspective is that the newsletter was always the entry point into someone's day. It was the way to wake up. And when we were, you know, 25 on our couch, what we really wanted to do in a very simple way was recreate the idea of morning television. That seemed to be for this audience, but we didn't know anyone that was watching it or had four hours to stay at home uh, and turn on their TV and be there. But the information was still really applicable. It was just the distribution method was broken.
0: Of course, an email connection is one thing, but getting users to pay is quite another. Here's what Justin Smith, CEO of Bloomberg Media, had to say on the Pivot to Paid
4: you know, it's a misnomer that that subscriptions are a kind of a, an all, all all around success story for media. They are or for digital media, they're not. I think it's I think it's right. it's the rare exception of the company that can pull this off. So but
0: why can why, why can Bloomberg?
4: We, but Bloomberg can I um, I think I think that there's there sort of two categories of publishers that can pull off subscription models. You know, um, one is the, the the very, very outlier super premium quality brand. Um the New York Times comes to mind as mm-hmm. the sort of the, the example of this that we're it's sort of the, the newspaper of record and the and the and the quality and the depth of the journalism is so strong that it is, you know, a kind of a must read for for those reasons. I think the Washington Post falls in that category as well. Um It trails off very quickly in the general interest newspaper space after that. You don't see a lot of examples of other uh, successful subscription models in general interest. But where you see a whole slew of of opportunity, and and Digiday, I think, Mm -hmm. knows this probably yourselves with some of your experiments, is that when you move into the professional space, into the B2B space, and whether it's prosumer, um, like the Wall Street Journal or the Financial Times or The Economist, which have all transitioned very healthily from print to digital subscriptions. Um, and Bloomberg is exactly in that category. So that's
0: in the prosumer category. I mean, how many of these people paying you are using corporate credit cards? We
4: think most. You know, okay. um, we think most. And I think, you know, we, we looked at the, you know, the Wall Street Journal, uh, The Economist and The Financial Times, um, subscription market it's hard to kind of to, to to de-link print subscriptions from digital subscriptions just from the outside numbers but um it, generally speaking the total subs consumer subs market between three of our most direct competitive brands is 1.5 billion dollars right so here we were bloomberg um and bloomberg.com producing you know arguably uh Uh, more content Mm -hmm. uh, on a daily basis because of the scale of our newsroom even though we we limit a big portion of our content just the terminal even the the portion that we put on the web is still greater than all all of our competitors in the business space and of course the quality of our content is phenomenal and it serves a professional Mm -hmm. need which people need it for their work people need it to do their jobs and so as you say the corporate credit card is usually used and that is a is a much more successful strategy.
0: And finally, here's Haley Romer, CRO at The Atlantic, to talk about how The Atlantic is working on the masthead, their subscription product
5: we have a membership program called the masthead. Um, you guys wrote about it not too long ago and what it is, is, um, subscribers will pay and for, um, their subscription, they get access to the, access to the print magazine. They can get a digital copy of it. Um, and then they get access to more things across, um, the portfolio. So that's everything from articles that we will publish on the site where only members can get, access to it. So you start reading the article and it's, if you want to continue reading this article, you, um, you know, become Mm -hmm. a member. If you're not already So some content
0: is only for members. Absolutely.
5: Absolutely. Um, we have weekly, uh, conversations with editors and writers, whether it's on a cover story or just a single topic. I mean, people who love us most are the ones who so far have committed and said, we want to be members. We want more from the Atlantic. So naturally they're engaging more with our writers and our editors, um, in ways that they couldn't before. The same is true of, um, of, coming to some events and so we'll invite mm-hmm. them to events that they would not previously have been invited to or have had ha- have had access to. I think that any brand, whether it's whether it's Nike or the mm-hmm. Atlantic, I mean, sure. whoever you are, you have different levels of value that you provide to, to different people. They're looking for different things at different times. And so I think what, um, what's incumbent upon publishers is to figure out, you know, how you provide different levels of value to the people who want different levels of value, right? The people who engage mm-hmm. with you differently, the people who, you know, you have people who wake up every morning and think, gosh, I want nothing more than to know what the Atlantic is. Think on this topic. And then people who, when you, um, come across something, you think this is the smartest take on this particular topic and it's important for me to know what the what the Atlantic thinks of this or see what the Atlantic is writing about this. It's important for me to share this with my network. Um, but I may not go every single day. It doesn't mean that I'm not willing to provide, um, to pay for something that they could provide me more value mm-hmm. on that I couldn't get anywhere else. So I think really what we have to do is figure out the different levels of, of, of value based on the, the mm-hmm. commitment of the, of the reader. I think the metered system provides a different level of value for somebody who says, yeah, maybe I'm not going to be there 100 times a month and maybe I don't want to pay $129 for you. But I do want to come to the Atlantic three, four, five, ten 10 times a month. Um, and for that, I'm willing to pay X. Um, and so oh, so I-
0: meter is in the offing or it's something, that...
5: where, something where something we're talking about. It's something that we see a lot of other publishers whom we respect greatly, uh, having done a, having done a phenomenal job with, and we've seen success with that across the, the, the industry. And so, yeah. What's
0: the downside do you, when you're thinking about it, like to moving to a meter model?
5: I don't think there's a downside to the meter model. I think, Um, More than anything, you want to make sure that you have the experience right and that you are um, technologically in a place to provide, uh, to to ask the right questions of readers and to provide the, the right opportunities for them.
0: And thank you all for listening. This show is produced by Didi Songle. Tell us what you think. Tweet at me or email me your feedback. Uh, my Twitter is at BMRC and my email is BMRC at Digiday.com. Also, please take a minute and leave us a review so we can get started in the new year on a good note. Um, or tell a friend about the podcast. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week and next year with a new episode. So you made it to the end of the podcast, which means you heard all these great ads along the way that I've been reading you. Um, are you ready yet to start d- digital audio for your brand campaigns? Because I hope so. Visit Zaxis.com now and get started. That is X-A-X-I-S dot